Welcome everyone. Um, so when I was thinking of the word that I'm going to share, um, I usually share what is on my heart and what God God is sharing with me. So what happened last week in Port Shepston, the first or the second night, second night that we were sleeping there, I had a nightmare. <laughs> um, and I was dreaming that I was engaged to a guy, don't know this guy, and the engagement was off. And we were in my mom's old house, like when, when we used to live on the farm. And then I also complained to my mom that I was in a long-term relationship um, even before this. And that also didn't work out. And I just felt like a failure because my relationships doesn't work out. And my mom was sitting in the dream and she didn't even hug me in the dream. And I was upset about that. And, and it was as if there was something missing. Um, and I didn't know what it was. And I started crying. Um, literally crying, and then Gerrit woke me up. And as I woke up, and my husband was next to me, it was it was such a revelation for me, and God just spoke to me. And he just said to, to me that sometimes our circumstances feel like a real nightmare, um, but it is not a reality. The reality is that your husband is with you. And um, immediately reminded me of the verse in Isaiah 54. Now we're going to read the whole Isaiah 54, but I just want to read this one verse for starters. In It's verse 5 that says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Now, what stood out for me, and the the the... Almost the approach I want to take tonight is bearing fruit, bearing fruit in our lives. And um, you will see now how, how it fits into things. But I was just thinking, uh, a husband, God obviously used different metaphors in the word. How he describes himself, um, we are sons and we are children of God and we are brothers of Jesus. But when he describes the, um, the husband bride, relationship it speaks about intimacy and it speaks about being in Christ um, and Christ being in us and then for me that is the place where fruitfulness comes from because and if you look at it in a, in a marriage the fruit of a marriage is children okay so that is the fruit of intimacy is children so children is not the really the objective yes in some way it is but the 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 whole point of 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 getting married is is intimacy with a husband and a wife but then there is fruit it's the children okay so let's start then in isaiah 54 verse 1 it says sing o barren one you who did not bear break forth into singing and cry aloud you who did not travail with child for the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Now, he is referring um, specifically to um, Galatians 4. So let us quickly go to Galatians 4. Then we're going to come back to Isaiah 54. Okay. Um, Galatians 4 from verse 22. For it is written that Abram had two sons. One by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai, where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. 
Now, Hagar is or stands for Mount Sinai and Arabia, and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem, for she is in bondage together with her children. But the Jerusalem above, the Messianic kingdom of Christ, is free, and she is our mother. For it is written in the scriptures, Rejoice, O barren woman, who has not given birth to children. Break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pangs, for the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. Okay. Now, he's speaking of the two the two covenants, or let me rather say the Old Covenant, New Testament. So, Abraham had, had a wife, Sarah, but she couldn't bear children. But then God gave her a promise of that she will bear children. But then you know that it took years and years before that promise was fulfilled. So in between they thought, ach, let's make a little planicky. <laughs> and Sarah said to Abraham, you take Hagar or Hagar and um, see if you can do something. So then obviously um, Hagar had Ishmael. And Ishmael was born from the flesh. So that was, um, that was because of intimacy with the flesh that, that Ishmael was born and the whole nation from that. But it corresponds with slavery. And then the promise came into fulfillment with Sarah. And um, God, God said, or the Bible said, the youth were renewed. And, um, and she bore a, a child. And it was a child of the, of the promise. Okay. So when he speaks of, of Sarah, he speaks of the supernatural. He speaks of of intimacy um, with, it's the, an allegory of intimacy with God, but in, it is a fulfillment of the promise. So it is not a little planicky that you make with, make with the flesh. So if we look at Romans Roman 7, I'm running ahead of myself, but Romans 7 speaks about it. He says that we have, um, what a stop, um, we have terminated all intercourse with the law. So there he speaks about that intimacy. All intercourse with the, the with the law, but now you know we live and we are we are sons of God. So, what God is saying is that when we are trying by the law, the fruit of it will be slavery. It will be bondage. So when we try out of our own flesh, the results will be darkness, basically. So now he's saying. Those of you who did not bear fruit. So if we look at our own lives, we know that there are two kinds of fruits in our lives. We know that God comes through for us and we see many great things. But then we also know that sometimes we go to little plan B because we are, we are fearful that God will not come through for us. So then we make plan B, but then usually the, the result is not that great or it doesn't work out, which is actually a blessing because God is really nudging us to, to really just trust him. But then we have still fruit in our lives where we know it is, it is, this is not what God as for us in mind, this is not the fulfillment of the promise. This is not abundant life. So it is not like a nightmare that I that I spoke to you about. Our circumstances is like, but why is this not not right? Why does this feel like a like a nightmare? And that is the fruit of the flesh. Um, but God says, those of you who did not bear fruit, so those of in 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 the spirit that which was the desolate woman. So um, according to Sarah. Rejoice, because now, without trouble, without travail, you will bear fruit. 
Okay, so let's go back to, to Isaiah 54. Now the nice thing is, if we look at verse 2, he says, Enlarge the place of your tent. <laughs> okay, so you did not bear fruit, but now enlarge the place of your tent, because you need space. <laughs> you need like storehouses for the fruit, for the children that will come. And let the curtains of your inhabitations be stretched out. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And I'm just thinking of make space for the anointing. Um, so, so this is speaking about taking an action and preparing that for that which God wants to, wants to give to you. So again, like lately, just for the past two, three months, God has really been pressing this message of active grace in, into my life, that we hear this message of grace. So let us not frustrate the grace and let us receive it and let it has, have a work in us. So I want to refer quickly to um, Pastor Rufus Elipa. He was at the, the pastor's conference and he explained grace um, in such a nice and, and easy way. He said the first thing about grace is that it pardons, it, is, it pardons our sin. He says, and that is wonderful because we need the forgiveness of sins. And that will be forever true. He says, but then grace is also empowerment. It has a purpose. So when grace comes to us, it is not only to pardon us from our sins, but it is also empowering us to do the purpose which God has, has set for us, before us. And then the third thing is, he says that grace gives us an assignment. He says that there's God gives visions and sometimes um, you don't feel like you are part of an assignment. He says in the fourth thing then, partner then with somebody else's grace because then that assignment becomes your assignment. So in a very practical way, he just explained to me that grace that is active and, and working in our lives. So in verse 2, if we look at Isaiah 54, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. So make room for God. So how can we, can we do that? Um, I'm just thinking, obviously, there's many different ways. Sometimes it is um, like in attending a service, because you know, in the service, God is going to speak to you and your life will never be the same. Sometimes it is in finances, and I'm thinking, I think it's two Kings four that he says about this this um, Shunammite woman. She had she made a room where Elisha could sleep. So literally, she was making room for the anointing of God. So that was something she did. So th there's many ways you can ask God. How can I make room for the anointing? You can ask God. Um, how can I enlarge the place? But the thing is, make place, make space. And for me and Gerrit, this will mean something different in terms of the ministry in our lives. So for every person, it is different, you understand? But make, make space, enlarge your tent. Okay, verse 3. For you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left. Hopefully that is not speaking about our heaps, but uh, <laughs> and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now we're speaking now about the children, and we're taking that as an allegory to fruit. So if you look at and your offspring, so your fruit will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So he is saying saying that the fruit that we will bear will even make a. Uh, uh, the dry places to become beautiful water giving giving places for other people i'm just thinking of scriptures that says that we will be like trees and the birds will eat of our fruit we will be like a rock 
where people will take shade from. So the fruit that we carry will have an impact in other people's lives, not only in in our own lives and the people surrounding us, but in our city, in the, in the world. It will have uh, other nations as well. Verse 4. Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. And I think that, for me, was just, and I underlined that as well. Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. Because that is often the thing that, that keeps us from making or trusting God to, to bear fruit in our lives versus trusting our own plans. And it is actually so ridiculous if we think of it. When we trust ourselves um, to, to have a certain result, and I'm speaking, oh, I'm just listening to myself, I'm speaking <laughs> so much to myself. When we trust ourselves to, to have certain results, um, the thing is we have such a limited insight into to situations. We know so little. I mean, let's say I want a certain thing from Armin. Now, um, I don't know what's going on in her heart. So trying to manipulate her or trying to, you know, nudge here and there to get a certain result from her is very stupid of me. But when I trust God to, to do something in her heart for her to do a certain thing, that will be, first of all, it she won't feel manipulated. <laughs> so it's not going to ruin our relationship. <laughs> and second of all, what he does then in her life will be sustained. Yeah, because it, exactly, it's a lasting effect because it is the spirit spirit doing it. So I, I'm just thinking, um, simple example. For ex- Now my car, my car needs to be sold. Um, sold, sold, sold. <laughs> so I'm driving here and I'm thinking of little plans. And I'm thinking maybe I should bring the price down. But then I'm thinking... I cannot bring the price down because um, I need to have that money. So I really need to trust God to show me if I should bring the price down or if that is just my own plan B. You understand? So in everything, because there is grace for our decisions, definitely. That is the first thing, is that God will pardon and make a way. But I want to be a pl- in a place where I really trust Jesus so that he doesn't always just have to come and help me and take me from the pit where I can just follow him and move forward. So, so that, that is the, the, the point of the, the intimacy. But the fear is often the thing that, that keeps us from that because we think, we think we know because we are comfortable with our own sought patterns because we've lived for it, with it for 30 years or whatever years, you know, but but maybe we are not that comfortable with the way that God works. So it's important for us to really get to know him. So when we get to know him, spend word, time in the word, I think that's for me the, the, the most or the easiest way to get to know God. Is that when you get to know God, you see how he thinks, you see how he operates, you see what he does. And then when you get comfortable with it, you trust him more easily and you don't have to, to, to go to your own plan and, and fear that, that you will be ashamed. So he says, fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. Neither be confounded and depressed, for you shall not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you shall not seriously remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So um, just in, in that he, he's saying, the, the fruitlessness of your life to thus far, that shame that you've experienced, that it fell to you that God is not coming through, that is over now. <laughs> um, you will do not fear. Um, that is for, forgotten. Today is a new day. His mercy is new today. His grace is new today. So you will bear fruit. Okay, verse 5. For your maker is your husband. 
the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, grieved in spirit and heart sore, even a wife in woad and one in youth, when she is refused and scorned, says your God. For I, for a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion and mercy I will gather you to me again. Now that verse 7 is speaking of Jesus on the cross, just saying that Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, so that is just showing you that Jesus paid the price for you to restore fellowship with God, to bring you into reconciliation with God, that you can be made one with him, um, and that God is not 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 far away. Um, verse 8, In a little burst of wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with age, enduring love and kindness, I will have compassion and mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Now, we know we are in the new, but I just... I just laughed when I see this because many people want to go and they say God will curse you to the third and the fourth generation. But if you think what the word says about the love of God, it says it will he will show love to the thousands, thousands generation. But here he says age enduring love and kindness. So it is not something that will that will end. Um, so he will give us age enduring love and kindness and compassion and mercy. And then this beautiful thing, for this is like the days of Noah to me. As I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you again. For though the mountains should depart and the hills be shaken or removed, yet my love and kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace and completeness be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. This is just so beautiful. He just, God is saying again, I will have compassion on you. I will have compassion on you. And the thing is why he has this compassion. Is if we look at Hebrews, um, I think it is, it's five, that Jesus said that he became just like us um, in every way so that he can be a faithful high priest, so that he can know what the what the things are that we we went through and he was made perfect in his suffering and he says now he he really has as this compassion on us so that whenever we need him we can run to him um so to to get time in 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 the hour of need so this is just so beautiful for me see he's speaking about peace and kindness and compassion and love and that is the way that god feels towards us and i was just thinking of a husband what is if you think of what the ideal husband will do, I mean, we see many examples in our lives, but the earth is, it is a bit warped, the picture that we see. But if you just think, and it, we as girls don't have to think very hard because we dream of this perfect husband all the time. And there it is, God, he's our husband. And he says, but he will protect us. He will care for us. He will love us. He will... Um, comfort us he will be with us he will never leave us he will he will give us whatever our desire is so it is just everything we need every everything we need we will receive from him verse 11 oh you afflicted storm tossed and not comforted behold i will set your stones in a fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires and i will make your windows and pinnacles of sparkling age agates or rubies and your gates of shining carbuncles and all your walls of your enclosures of precious 
stone. So it's like speaking to ladies here. <laughs> and all your spiritual children shall be disciples taught by the Lord and obedient to his will. And great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. Now I was just thinking that in, in Hebrews 8, Jesus is speaking or... Well, Paul is writing, we think it's Paul, but that the, when the old has passed away and when Jesus has come to give us the new, he says that no man will need another man to teach him anymore, but the Lord, he will be Lord for each one of us and he will speak to us. And we know that the spirit in John, it says, the spirit of truth will lead us in, in all things. So we will be disciplined, our disciples of the Lord. Um, and great shall be the peace and the undisturbed composure of your children. So again, he's speaking of the Lord speaking to us, of that intimacy. It is that, that fellowship that, that we have with him, bearing, then bearing fruit. You shall establish yourself in righteousness. You shall be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction. For you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. I was just thinking how disturbed my thoughts are sometimes. I get shocked when I think about it. Sometimes I would drive and I would think, what if I'm in an accident right now? I don't know if you ever get things like that. And I'm just thinking, my wow. goodness, whoa, where does this come from? You know, and so often there is just, it, and it is just fierce. Um, it is a fear because we do not really know who God is. Because when we truly know who our husband is, we know that he will not... Um, forsake us in any way because he forsook Jesus on the cross so for us he will never forsake us so those he says even these thoughts of oppression and destruction even that will go away and that is for me awesome because it 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 describes for me like how we grow in the intimacy and you know it as you get to know Jesus more and more you know that 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 even your thoughts change. So he came to die for us, for body, soul, and spirit. And we know that many times we experience joy, but our lives get better and better. Like Sunday I was sitting in church and I said to Gerrit, is this how it feels to feel light and free and full of joy? It felt to me like there was no burden on my shoulder. And and I, it, was just, it was just easy and I was not concerned about anything now i would love to carry that feeling throughout all my days into, <laughs> into every day but it's awesome because we do experience we do experience more of jesus and we do see him come through and yeah it is just god we are growing in it so even our thoughts will be um will be like his thoughts verse 15 behold they may gather together and stir up strife but it is not from me whoever stirs up strife against you shall fall and surrender to you Behold, I have created the smith who blows on the fire of coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. And I have created the devastator to destroy. Just in short, it is God created the law, but then he also have brought Jesus to destroy the law or fulfill the law. Okay, because the law was there for a purpose. And now he says, but no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So the weapon, the law that was formed, um, for a certain purpose, so shall no more bring an accusation against you. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. This peace is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. 
This is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtain from me. This is that which I impart to them as the justification, says the Lord. And I was just thinking of the, the, the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that comes to live in me. So if I think of the ultimate importation, it was the Holy Spirit given and we were sealed with Him. So the Holy Spirit that now lives in us um, cannot get out <laughs> because he is, he is the Spirit. Obviously out in terms of we pray in tongues and we lay, you know, we show the power. But He is the one that, that will be, be with us. And it's so awesome that He says, um, this is the peace is our heritage. So this place of intimacy is a place of peace. And I was just thinking, we can read verse 1 in, in Psalm 91. He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. So that secret place for me is that place of, of intimacy with Jesus where there is peace when he says we shall be fixed and stable that speaks to me of peace because usually it is fear that that brings this whole wave of emotions it, it is fear that brings instability it is fear that that gives us it is just it messes with with us in different ways sometimes than to, to men but the thing is fear messes with us but when there is peace we are stable and fixed and then it feels to me that's a steady place to move forward and and get to know you so for me when i read that that was like a husband speaking to me and um the the one day we were sitting in a sermon i cannot remember who was preaching oh it was you bad at at, at desmond's wedding so he said if you know a good husband you know you can ask him anything so i pumped her in the <laughs> and I, in the rip and i said that already are one a one <laughs> that's a nice one thank you very much <laughs> yeah so if you know that your husband is good then you know that you can ask him anything. And I think also John 15, we've often read in the light of fear. So what happens now if I don't abide in the word? What happens now if he doesn't stay in me, if I don't remain? This is not a message of fear. Because remember now, Jesus never brings fear. So this is an invitation of more. <laughs> Do you want to bear more fruit? Do you want to, to live, a, live a life where there is just more intimacy. So this is just an invitation. And, he's, and then he said, hear how, my word. <laughs> so for me, that is just so precious. When we hear the word of God, it is God himself speaking to us. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not bringing a word to you tonight. For me, it says one thing. For Carly, it says a different thing. For Armin, it is a different thing. Because it is God speaking through his word so when we hear the word it is god it is our husband he's speaking to us and he's saying certain things to me because he knows that those are the words that i need to hear now he's speaking words to me because he knows that those words will bring a certain fruit in my life he's speaking those words to me because he knows that that it will bring a, a certain thing force in my life that i've been asking for that i've been trusting for and the word itself is so powerful that it will do that many times i sit in a in a service and i'm like wow i cannot wait to see what is going to happen after the service because i know that just by hearing this word because it is a personal word from god i know things are going to happen so usually i i i, I wait for to just hear 
of things that happened while I was in the sermon. Because usually afterwards, it is almost as if I want to go in effort, you know, and make yeah. a plan or go and I try, do. exactly, go and yeah. try and do something with this. Yeah. It is in hearing. So it is in yeah. intimacy. So it is, I mean, it is good to do. And like we said, enlarge the place of your tent. But the, the enlarging the place of your tent is not in trying to bear fruit. He says, just make, just make room. Just make room, but the word that I speak to you will bear fruit in your life. So the word is from our husband, our maker, the one who is personally, intimately involved with us, who is in love with us, who loves us. We are his bride and we are just holy and pure, pure to him. And when he speaks that word, just hear and, and know that it is it is your, your husband speaking those words to you. And I think for me, that is just, that is just so pre- precious. So that is the message that I have for tonight. That um, our circumstances, our life of fruitlessness yeah. is often just, it is just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It is just a nightmare. Just yeah. wake up to the voice of your husband that is here with you. That is, he's just been here. You even though it felt real, but he is here with you. Trust him. He is more real. And he has words that he wants to speak to you that will bear fruit. Amen.